Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 240th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins. Wow, I am not even doing the intro right. We're going to start that again in 3, 2, 1. Hello and welcome to the 240th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a fade stop across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. <sighs> One... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was recording a video of me doing some push-ups. So, uh, how's everybody doing? Glad to be here. What 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 episode number are we on? Two hundred and forty. Oh, sweet, cool. Let's uh, let's get into it, man. What what are we talking about today? Uh, well, we can't get into it without the third amigo in the second city, a man who, unlike a certain former Auburn coach, can name all three branches of the government. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook. <laughs> yes. Speaking about government, I know we're a college football podcast, but something interesting came across the newswire that I, I just wanted to share on air with people. So uh, over in Europe, the country of Hungary has been... They don't play football in <laughs> Hungary, Josh. Man, I, no, you'll appreciate this story. Let me, let me finish. Does it, does it involve Victor Oban? No, it they does not. Play to win no, it does not. But, game. But... For those Orban, of you that are not play. aware, over in Hungary, they've been passing quite a few anti-LGBT policies. They're really cracking down uh. on gay people. And um, one of the key politicians who wrote that stuff recently resigned. And, and here's the headline. An anti-gay Hungarian politician has resigned after being caught by the police fleeing a 25-man orgy through a window. Yep. Hmm. Somehow I'm actually not surprised in the least. <laughs> He's a, hmm. a, a close friend and ally to the Hungarian prime minister. Orban. And he, he told people on Sunday that he uh, he was present at, quote, a private party. But the police found him and 24 other naked men at the gathering, including diplomats. So... Oh, uh, there you go! Wow, that's our uh, that's our Hungarian update, and now uh, let's do an ad read from our soon to be former sponsor. I guess uh, Coach's <laughs> invitation got lost in the mail. <laughs> so, uh, no matter who your team is or what mailbox. side you play for, this football season is in full swing, or should we say, full swingers? <laughs> when while you may not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. I don't know how they feel about us talking about that with a Hungarian gay orgy. Can we bet on that? Actually, you can. Uh, if you if you took the over, you're right because the the Hungarian. Political orgy, the overs usually is set around uh, 12 and a half, 13 and a half around there. But this well, one was pretty thing, big. Yeah, good that, thing that, I did take the over. I'm a rich man. <laughs> uh, I guess they also, you should have also taken the over on the number of arrests made. 
So no matter who your team is, head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. They do take political bets. I don't know if they take Hungarian orgy bets, though. Um, a place you can bet things you can bet on though include college football games, and it is week fourteen, gentlemen, of the twenty twenty season, and it wouldn't be twenty twenty if we weren't starting off our weekend preview without With talking Hungarian about orgy story. No, without talking about Liberty versus Coastal Carolina. Mm. Oh, if yeah, you had one. come to me twelve months ago and said, Matt, you will be kicking off the weekend after Thanksgiving, talking about Liberty versus Coastal Carolina, I would have said, where are the drugs that you were smoking, and can I get some? But here we are. Uh, Gents, not only are we talking about it, ESPN's College Game Day is talking about it. They will be in, or I should say on campus, at Coastal (laughs) Carolina. Conway, South Carolina. Conway, South Carolina, for this game. First time ever going to Coastal. You know what? I don't blame them. South Carolina, not such a bad place to be this time of year. Josh, Liberty and Coastal have been two of the biggest stories of the season as far as group of five teams go. What are you looking forward to in this matchup? I'm looking forward to the quarterback play. Uh, We've talked a lot about that young man. I cannot believe is a freshman. Grayson McCall. Yeah, Yeah. over at at Coastal. but. Um, you're looking for why is Liberty turned around? How about junior quarterback Malik Willis? He is the true definition of a dual threat quarterback. 2,000 passing yards, 64 completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions. That is a damn good season of quarterbacking. And then you add in, I interest you in this, gentlemen. Leading the team in rushing with 800 rushing yards, averaging 6.7 yards per carry, and 10 rushing touchdowns. True dual threat quarterback. This is going to be an awesome quarterback battle. Um, Which defense gets it done remains to be seen. Uh, Coastal's defense has been super impressive. Um, Coastal's win a few weeks ago against Appalachian State. It was a thing of beauty. Their win earlier in the year against Louisiana, also really impressive. But can't sleep on Liberty. I mean, <laughs> Liberty's nine and one, but they've played a bunch of ACC teams. They're beat they're Sarac- basically the third best team in the ACC, is what it boils. I know that they beat Syracuse. They beat Virginia Tech. Uh, almost coulda, shoulda, woulda beat NC State. Um, they're really good. And like I said. All about those two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Coach, are you, are, is there anything you're looking forward to in this one? Uh, just explosive offense. I mean, I, I think you're, you're going to see a, a flurry of points, and I think it's going to be kind of like the same similar game plan defensively that you had in the Egg Bowl. Just who can who can force the most punts? Who whose defense can uh, bend and not break at the opportune times? Uh, is there going to be a team that's going to take advantage of field position and turnovers? Is there, is there going to be a team that uh, can strike and get the momentum and steal a possession on special teams? Is there, uh, you know, who, who's going to be able to do that? And can Coastal Carolina, you know, can they can they hold serve at home? Can they can they keep this train rolling? 
um, on the teal turf and, and uh, with game day being there and all the national attention finally on you. Let's see what you can do with that. And uh, on it with Grayson McCall, uh, almost 2000 yards through the air, 20 touchdowns to just one interception, a great quarterback in his own right. Um, so uh, this team is just playing outstanding football. And, and so is Liberty actually. And, and uh, you're not to take anything away from Liberty, but, but all eyes are on coastal pressures on you. Um, and uh, according to ESPN's matchup predictor, they are 80.1% uh, favorites to win this matchup. So Liberty's got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder in that regard as well. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see if, if they can do it with all the pressure on them. Well, another game that probably would have had a lot more pressure on it two weeks ago, but doesn't have as much now that both the, both Wisconsin and Indiana have lost and Michael Penix Jr. is going to be out is Indiana at Wisconsin. Wisconsin is not playing against Minnesota for the first time in more than a century due to COVID-19. Indiana lost their quarterback last week in their game against Maryland, but still it's a top 20 matchup. And Josh, you know, what can Indiana do to stay with the presumed favorites in this game who should be back closer to full strength getting their top two wide receivers back for this one well indiana's defense has been really good this year uh their head coach who we've waxed poetically about what do you guys think coach of the year in the big 10 got oh i i don't know how it would be anyone else besides tom allen fitzgerald maybe maybe yeah Maybe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was a defensive coordinator before getting the nod, so not a surprise that Indiana's defense has been as stout as it is. It, they're going to have to play a phenomenal game against Wisconsin because, let's be honest, going from Penix to Jack Tuttle is a major, major difference. And Coach, Coach, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Do you like Tuttle's? I love turtles. Sorry, go on. Josh. I, I like them. I like them when they especially go over the sand dunes. Yeah. So, you know, an outsider to Big Ten football, an outsider to Indiana's turnaround, they'll look at Penick's stats and they'll go, well, only got 1,600 passing yards. Completion percentage is only 56.4. That's not very good. His touchdown interception ratio, it's nice, 14 to 4. And then, well, maybe he's a dual threat. He's not. 18 uh, rushing attempts on the year for 25 carries. But what he is, though, is the heart and soul of the team. And the way he stretched out to hit the pylon against Penn State just earned him every bit of respect and command in that locker room and in that huddle. And they play really hard for him. And the defense, I think, trusts that, hey, you know what? He might not have had the best first half, but we keep him in this game. He'll light it up in the second half. Conversely, he has a good first half. Hey, let's keep it. Let's keep it going. He got us those points. Let's let's make it that we don't have to do any more work offensively in the first half. He was the heart and soul of that team. And for him to be gone is a lot more than what his stats would indicate. Now, in comes Jack Tuttle, really 
really highly regarded recruit mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Yeah, ended up going to Utah. Yeah, and you might argue recruit to recruit. Tuttle was probably the higher value recruit. Um, not a whole lot on him. 11 attempts last year, five attempts this year when he came in last week after Penix got hurt against Maryland. Um, so, you know, not not a lot on him. Um, Coach, you follow the recruiting a lot more than I do. What what do you remember about Jack Tuttle's uh intangibles there a few years I'm actually going to I'm actually going to cut you off there and talk about mm. and talk about a little bit. He was res- uh, recruited by Wisconsin big time. Oh, that's he, not a surprise considering he's 6'4" 215. Yeah, he <laughs> Sounds was Sounds like a statue, no offense. He was a guy that Wisconsin was hard after in the 2018 recruiting class. Uh he ended up committing to Utah over Wisconsin. Wisconsin ended up with Chase Wolf, who's a, who's a nice player himself. But he was a guy who I remember they went after him and he was a guy, you know, like I said, 6'4", 215. He is a prototypical Big Ten type of quarterback who, you know, bigger guy, good size arm, can make most of the throws. And I think the thing about him, though, is that his processing speed, if you will, has not jumped to the college level. He's not he doesn't make his reads as fast as he needs to and his throwing motion is not as compact or as crisp as it needs to be at this level. Mm. Spot on. Yeah. So Spot on with that, yeah. And for Wisconsin in this one, you know, after that loss to Northwestern a few weeks back where they just looked out of sorts, you know, again, they had had games canceled. They were out their top two receivers. They were playing two, you know, I'm going to sound a little weird for saying this. They were playing two white walk-on receivers as their starters. And that's just not going to work in the Big Ten. I'm sorry. It's just not going to work. You know, for every Because they're walk-ons or they're white? For every Jared Aberderis. They're gym rats. <laughs> they're coach's sons. You know, they're a coach on the field. Um, I believe both of them are deceptively quick. Very cerebral players. <laughs> you know, they're they're more quick than they are fast. Yeah, because uh, Justin Fields isn't cerebral in any way. No, not he at all. He just uses brute athleticism. God, those cliches need to be retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my. But what would, what would we make fun of? We, we would find something. This yeah. is good. This, 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 this is. This is. Steve Yeah, Okay. Fair enough. I this saw person. that Lou Holtz got passed by Brian Kelly for most career wins at Notre Dame. Second most career wins. Whatever. Who's number one era, Parsega? Newt Rockney. Newt Rockney. They played like six games back in the day. Yeah, Actually, we, I we, take we that... coached for like 40 seasons. What's funny about those schedules is you'll sometimes see teams that play four games and then sometimes teams that play like 22. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> like can, we, can we get some consistent schedules here? So We just had to play the YMCA eight times. I'm 
interested to see what Wisconsin's run game looks like in this one. Jalen Berger, the true freshman out of northern New Jersey, looks like, uh, out of uh, John Bosco, looks like he is going to be the next great running back for Wisconsin. I want to see if he's going to be the bell cow here. Has he passed Nikia Watson and Garrett Groshek as the starter nominally, either nominally or in terms of how many carries he gets? He's led the team in carries the last two games. I want to see if he's starting, and I want to see really how much they use him because he has been the only consistent weapon for them on the ground. I want to move over, though, now to the Big 12 and talk Actually, about— Actually, just real quick, real quick, real quick. In the Big 10, Scott Frost versus Jeff Brom. Do either programs cut bait after this no. game? No. no loser leave town situation? I don't believe so. Okay. I think Scott Frost has a better chance, but I don't think it happens. No, okay. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think Frost, Scott Frost, as an alum, as someone who I think still has a fair bit of clout, is not. I, I think he's going to get another year. Okay. I think it's one more year. He's got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. Uh, he's got he's he's got a couple of four-star, borderline five-star guys, including Thomas Fedone, who is probably the best high school tight end in the nation coming in. I think that they're going to give him at least one more year. One game, though, that interests me from this this coming weekend is West Virginia and Iowa State. West Virginia is literally two different teams. When they play at home, they are nothing short of fantastic. They have, they are undefeated at home. They have yet to win a game on the road. That's why I was really excited that they were supposed to play Oklahoma last week at home. That would have been a lot of fun. Nonetheless, they had to Iowa State, who was fresh off of a victory against Texas last week that pretty much guarantees their spot in the Big 12 title game. Coach, do you see a letdown scenario? for Iowa State here and where West Virginia could come in and steal one in you know while Iowa State is napping. That's very much a possibility, but I think they're better coached than that. I think Matt Campbell will have those guys ready to play and Brees Hall will um no doubtly have another huge game. Uh Brock Purdy I think is is a great quarterback and um, for Iowa State defensively, I mean they're the anti Big Twelve team. They they actually play defense over there, and uh, you know they're tough at home. So I, I think you know I think Iowa State's going to be primed and jazzed for this. They're ready. For, they're ready to make that Big Twelve title run. So nice little musical break there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're uh, they're primed for that Big Twelve title run, man. And then they're they're all geared up. They're all they're going to be focused from from here until whatever they tell them to stop playing. So. Um, I, I'm excited to see uh, how they play against West Virginia. I think they'll be extremely focused. All right. Josh, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, I, I think that by having a mathematical scenario where uh, they might need the game will keep them invested. I think Campbell's still kind of building towards perfection. Um, what I'm going to be interested in. Coach mentioned the really good defense that Iowa State has with them. Uh, they're averaging 2.7 
sacks on the year. Pretty nice number. Uh, West Virginia has seen their quarterback hauled down 15 times in eight games. So um, Doge, Jarrett Doge, not getting the best protection in the world. And Iowa State, pretty dang good. Their sack total 37th best in the country. So um, that's something to look at, see how much pressure Iowa State gets on West Virginia. Now, if Kansas loses, right, Iowa State's clenched. Isn't that the thing? Kansas has to win out, something weird like that? Yeah, something like that. Well, the 11 o'clock kickoff, Kansas, just for fun, they're at Texas Tech. Texas Tech is 3-6 and six on the year, and even with that, the Red Raiders are favored by 27.5 points. Mm. <laughs> yep. Yes, they are. And if you're wondering, wow, they didn't talk that much about Iowa State's offense, it's because I think we've talked about Brock Purdy and, and Brees Hall <laughs> ad nauseum this year. Yeah, we, we, we kind of love those guys, don't we? Mm-hmm. We really do. All right, uh, let's then head down to the SEC. Texas A&M and Auburn is a fascinating game. Texas A&M is lingering around for the playoffs because... You know, they have a really impressive win against Florida. Their only loss is to Alabama. And they head to the Plains in Auburn this weekend for a matchup with this Auburn team that is fresh off of a good old-fashioned butt whooping at the hands of that Alabama Crimson Tide team. Obviously, Texas A&M not going to be playing the SEC title game because they lost to Alabama. And so Alabama is going to be the West Division champ. Is there any chance that Texas A&M gets upset here at Auburn this weekend? There's always a chance. I mean, you know, it's the SEC. So, I mean, nothing's out of the uh, realm of possibility, just like it's, you know, you know, just like in the Big 12, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. But um, it's a very competitive league with, within itself. And, and Auburn, if it depends on which Auburn team shows up. It depends, well, really, it depends on which Bo Nix shows up, unless, if we're being honest. Um, if the one that shows up that showed up this past Saturday and the one that showed up against South Carolina, the one that showed up against Georgia, uh, Auburn's in trouble. This, this is going to get ugly. Uh, but if the one that showed up against – Tennessee in the second half, uh, the one that showed up in uh, when they hosted LSU. If that Bonick shows up, then A and M could be in for for a rough afternoon. But um, you know, to be honest with you, I think A and M is just humming along right now. I mean, there's not there's not very many people that can stop Isaiah Spiller. He's having a tremendous season: seven hundred eighty four yards and six touchdowns um, right now. They've only played seven games. So uh, that's that's pretty impressive there. Kellen Mond is, is starting to become one of the uh, the upper echelon uh, quarterbacks in the conference. Uh, this A and M team is primed for a college football playoff spot, and uh, you know I think they're 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 going to be locked in, dialed in, and and uh, you know they're going to get they're going to heat up Bo Nix. They're going to get pressure on him. They're going to force him to uh, escape the pocket early, and, and if you get him on the run and scrambling. He makes it. That's where he makes all of his mistakes. You know, some quarterbacks are pretty good on the run. He's not. Um, he, he's he's prone to turn the ball over. 
Uh, he'll make bad throws. They'll they'll force punts, things like that. And then they'll put Auburn, you know, he'll put Auburn's defense in some very tough spots uh, if he starts running around like he did uh, this past week. So uh, I think it'll be a pretty comfortable win for AM. Uh, it'll be competitive for a little while, and then AM will pull up, pull away. Uh, this game's always competitive because I think these two teams are starting to kind of grow into a, a natural rivalry. It's not a bitter rivalry, but it's 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 going to be kind of like a West rivalry uh, for them. And uh, so you're, you're going to start to see this game be very competitive most years. Well, I'll tell you what Auburn needs to do, and it won't be easy based on how Mac Jones eviscerated that secondary, but over there on the Plains... They should pop in the laser disc of the Texas A&M LSU game because LSU had exactly one sack and exactly one quarterback hurry. So they obviously didn't do too much with their pass rush yet. Kellen Mond was not seeing the coverage particularly well. Long day at the office a week ago. Kellen Mond 11 of 34 for 105 yards. So if Auburn can somehow recreate that, they have a lot better chance, but um, obviously Isaiah Spiller is phenomenal, and based on Kellen Mond's statistics, you would not expect another day that bad. No, you really, you you really would not. So, um, you know, we will see what happens in this one. Finally, though, guys, I actually want to switch it up a little bit for our last preview because we have barely talked at all about the Mountain West this season. There have some, been some really interesting things going on in this conference, most notably San Jose State still being undefeated. Well, I talked about them a week ago. Unfortunately, their game against Boise State got canceled. Yeah. Let's talk about an interesting matchup this weekend, though. Fresno State, obviously, uh, they've been pretty good the last couple of years. Nevada, though, back with a vengeance. These teams are a combined 8-2 and two on the season, and I'm really interested in what's going to be going down here in Reno on Saturday night. One of the best quarterbacks that no one in the country is talking about is Carson Strong, the sophomore signal caller from the Wolfpack. On the season, he's thrown 16 touchdowns to just two interceptions, 1900, basically 2,000 yards. He's looked really, really good from the get-go for the Wolfpack. And I just think Nevada is surprising me with how strong they have been all around, Josh. Yeah, I mean, certainly a, a nice start to the season, jumping out 5-0 and their last Game was a narrow loss against a pretty good Hawaii team. Hawaii's having a nice season as well. But uh, what I like about Nevada, in addition to what Carson Strong is doing, is they have a really nice running team as well. So they're really balanced. As a team, they're already up to 700 rushing yards through six games. So um, Strong is slicing and dicing through the air. But it's kind of like, what are you going to do? Because if we drop eight, Nevada has the horses in the backfield and the line up front to just power us with a running game. So Nevada's a tough nut to crack. And I'm going to be intrigued by this game as well, because uh, Fresno's maybe not the best team in the 
conference, but they have been reliably strong in the last few years. So this is kind of a nice measuring stick because I feel like Nevada is less of a known quantity than Fresno, at least in terms of their two programs. Coach? I mean, um, you hit the nail right on the head there, Josh. I mean, I, I really like this Nevada team uh, because of their balance. They're explosive. Uh, they, you know, they, they, they rack up a ton of yards. I, I'm really impressed with Carson Strong and what he's been able to do. Six touchdowns and two interceptions. I mean, he's, he's taking care of the ball. He's, uh, you know, I, I want to use the term game manager not as an insult to a quarterback, but I, I think he's, you know, I think he's pushing this Nevada team along, and they're having a pretty nice season so far, five and one, um, in in conference. And then, uh, you know, Fresno State, not to be, uh, you know, not to be actually uh, downgraded in that regard. They've only played four games uh, to Nevada's six, so uh, Fresno State's still a little bit. Uh, newer at this whole uh, 2020 season. So they're still trying to figure themselves out a little bit, but I, I think that they're you're starting to see that Fresno State is uh, starting to make some hay through the air. Um, again, they're, they're passing for an average of 325 yards per game. Uh, they're, you know, both these teams are very similar in, in how explosive they are, how balanced they are uh, with a slight lean to the pass game. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see what gives uh, because – there, there couldn't be uh, a more even matchup with, within the conference between two teams that are really surging ahead in Fresno State and Nevada. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually uh, excited to see some Mountain West football and seeing what, seeing if Nevada can, uh, can keep up this recent streak they're on. All right. Um, well, let's then head over to finish our show out with some spread formations. And... Actually, super quick. Can I just tell you about the uh, the worst matchup of the uh, of the year potentially? Sure. Why not? So Akron, just gentlemen, they've been dreadful now the last two years. Um, got a feel for. Yeah, they're bad. They're got a feel for. Got a feel for Tom Arth. He uh, he did all right at John Carroll. Did mediocre at chattanooga akron last year went 0 and 12 they've started this year 0 and 4 so he's looking for his first win at akron they are taking on bowling green this year right now bowling green is 0 and 4 scott loffler went 3 and 9 a season ago 0 and 4 start this year this very well could be one of the worst worst matchups we've had uh but i do love this headline scott loffler um november 12th 2020 so very recently gave an interesting interview in the interview he said quote i'm not going to use bowling green win leave and watch this place go to hell (laughs) it might already be also just to tie a bow on the mac or the uh, mountain west discussion uh, another new coach, Marcus Arroyo at UNLV, off to an 0-5 start to his career. And this Rebel team has looked just abomination. They're awful. So what you're saying is that the more things change, the more things stay the same. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's UNLV. What yep. do you expect? Well. So, all right. Let's head then into our spread formations. Last week... Josh, you had a pretty good week. You went four and two. Coach and I both finished the week out at three and three on the season. Josh, you are now at thirty-one and twenty-nine. I'm at, I'm at thirty and thirty. 
coach, uh, bringing up the rear 25 and 35. Let's start out there in the Big 12 with Oklahoma State, a two and a half point favorite on the road at TCU. Josh, it is your turn to go first this week. Who have you got? Okay, so TCU is four and four, and it's a bizarre one because they beat Texas, narrowly lost to Iowa State, and you're thinking, okay, those are competitive games. Well, they lost to Kansas State. That's a little bizarre. Blown out by Oklahoma and lost to West Virginia. And then their four wins, well, the Texas game is their nice one, and then their other wins have been over Baylor, Texas Tech, and Kansas, the three worst teams in the conference. So why are they less than a three-point underdog? It's a little confusing because Oklahoma State is still nationally ranked. They're 6-2. and two. So I'm just not entirely sure what to make of this game. And I would love to just sit it out and say I'm not even going to bet it. I want to stay away from this game. But I cannot believe I'm doing this. But I'm going to ride with the mullet. And I think Oklahoma State wins by more than two and a half points. Coach? Well, Josh, you, you had a very, very roundabout way of saying that I, I think that um, Oklahoma State's going to kick some ass uh, this weekend. They're, uh, they're pissed off from Bedlam, and uh, the mullet does well in these games, so I think I'm going to uh, take the Road Warrior uh, Cowboys. Yeah, season to forget for Gary Patterson and the Horned Frogs. But it oh. never feels good riding with, with the mullet. You know, some, sometimes he's business in the front and sometimes he's party in the back. <laughs> Let's talk about everyone's uh, everyone's second favorite SEC team this year, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, they are on the road against that Mizzou team that won 41 nothing against Vanderbilt last week. Arkansas is a three-point dog on the road. Josh, do you think that the Hogs can pull off the upset? Ooh, certainly they can pull off the upset. The question is, though, do I want to bet on it? So um, Razorbacks, 3-5 and five on the season, but uh, the worst thing in the world, a bunch of moral losses or moral victories. They should have beaten Auburn. They got ripped off by the refs. Um, kind of a similar story against LSU. Um, but they've been off a little bit. Their last game was November 21st. Does that factor in? I don't know. Missouri, on the other hand, four and three, but Missouri quietly winners of four of their last five. Their defeats are at the beginning of the year. I think Missouri's kind of rounding into form. I like some of the stuff they're doing, and it doesn't take away anything from the Arkansas rebuild. But I think Missouri is actually playing the best football of these two teams. So I'm going to take Missouri to cover. All right, Coach. I'm taking Arkansas. I, I think that Barry Odom, uh, as defensive coordinator, is going to do a is doing a tremendous job this year of of bringing a, a physical, in your face defense um, and one that can game plan against multiple uh, styles of offense. I mean, they they shut down Auburn. 
they were able to force seven turnovers against Ole Miss by being physical and playing their brand of football. They were able to contain and stop Mississippi State by dropping eight and and and, uh, and sitting back and, and forcing them to make errors on their own. So they're very adaptable in what they can do uh, defensively. O- offensively, I think they've got some weapons in, in the Traylons, Traylon Smith and Traylon Burks uh, that Felipe Franks can – can uh, can go to as long as Felipe Franks doesn't make Felipe Franks type mistakes and manages the game. I think that uh, Arkansas can win this thing outright. Um, but if they, uh, if for whatever reason they they put their defense in bad spots uh, and put their defense in bad spots, meaning uh, field position wise and um, on the field too much, then the defense will break down like most defenses do when you put them on the field too much, too soon, too often. And uh, they'll they'll lose the game, but I'm um, I don't think they will do that. I think Arkansas will win this thing outright. Barry Odom versus his former team is a really really interesting storyline here. And my biggest concern, though, like Josh said, Mizzou is playing really well right now. And yes, Vanderbilt is not good, but. Even before that, they've been looking pretty strong. The game is at Mizzou, and I am going to take the Tigers. Josh, next we've got your Hawkeyes as 13.5-point favorites on the road in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, How do you feel about the Hawkeyes versus the Illini here? Well, do you want to hear an interesting stat? So Lovey Smith Smith is 17-37 and in his career at Illinois. Is they have that taken, good? Yeah. They've taken on 26 teams with a winning record. Any guess their mark in those 26 wins or 26 games? Uh, three and 23. It's a good guess, coach. Uh, I'm going to go prices right four and 22. <laughs> he is 0 and 26. Oh, that can't, that can't be right. They beat Wisconsin last year. <laughs> But it it sounded it sounded real. I totally made all of that stuff up. None of that was true. Uh, But what is true is Iowa has won the last six in this matchup, including the last time they were in Champaign, 63, nothing. Barring a Brian Ferentz catastrophe, which is Iowa's going to win. And assuming they don't have a whole bunch of drive stall inside the 30 yard line and kick field goals. They'll also put up a bunch of points. I'm going to take Iowa, Coach. I was rolling, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Brian Ferentz has been out, and they've had a different offensive coordinator in there, or um, if they're just winning despite him. I, I don't know if he's just getting lucky and picking the right ones. Like, he, like sometimes, like when I play Madden, I have a really good day, and I, every play I pick works to a T. Maybe he's doing that. I don't know. Maybe he's getting lucky. Maybe he's the blind squirrel this this stretch of the season, but. Regardless, I'm going to ride this wave. I'm taking the Hawkeyes. Uh, they're, I mean, they're putting up points, man. They're, they're, uh, they figured some, they figured something out. I don't know what that something was, but they figured it out, and uh, they're, they're playing some good football. Yeah, just can't have Brian Ferentz be putting up too many good numbers. Otherwise, he's going to become the new head coach of Vanderbilt. <laughs> but I'm going to roll with the Hawkeyes myself as well. I liked that I got coach with that total utter BS. I should have remembered the Wisconsin game from last year and done. One for 25. That would have yeah. been better. Yeah. Um, I messed it up. It's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, you got me. <laughs> so 
Louisiana. That was like shooting fish in a barrel, though. <laughs> Our next one, fish Louisiana and Appalachian State. One of the most interesting matchups in the fun belt, Billy Napier's Louisiana squad uh, has to head to Boone to take on Appalachian State. Appalachian State, two and a half point favorites at home. Josh, who do you like here? Yeah, this one's interesting. You know, Appalachian State um, probably not <laughs> going to uh, have a chance for defending their conference title because uh, Shanties are way up in the standings with them. Uh, what's interesting about this Appalachian State team is they're just not getting the quarterback play that you were expecting with Zach Thomas coming in for his senior year. And his stats are nice. The stats look great if you're just kind of giving it a cursory glance, but you see that it's just not what you were expecting. And against their best opponents, most notably the Coastal Carolina game, he was picked off three times, kind of had some wobbly passes. Some of his, uh, against Marshall, he had a really nice um, total passing yards, but was pretty ineffective uh, in terms of being sacked three times, his completion percentage at an interception. So long story short, I don't really trust Zach Thomas this year, and this Raging Cajun team is ranked. They're 8-1. and one. They're looking good. I am going to go with the dogs because I actually think the Raging Cajun win outright. All right, coach. Again, with the fancy explanation, I'm taking, uh, I'm taking the dogs, uh, Raging Cajuns on, on this one. Um, I just have a good feeling about it. You know, I, I think Napier's done a tremendous job. This is his audition. So, you know, he's going to be laser focused and, uh, App State's a good team. Uh, the, but so is Louisiana. That's why this game is pretty much a pick at two and a half points. There's a lot of pressure going first because you don't want to sound like Desmond and say, this is going to be a close game. <laughs> well, uh, Josh, You're not lying. So- sorry, but uh, in this case, it is. But <laughs> I, I want, I, I've been out there saying, I want Billy Napier to be the next coach at Vanderbilt. He is my first choice. And I want him to kick off that campaign with a win at Appalachian State in Boone. You can't say Boone. You have to say Boone. Boone, North Carolina. Boone, North Carolina. And I'm going to go with I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go with with them raging Cajuns. Boy, boy, you know, you don't pepper the gumbo right there, boy. We're going to finish this one out, gents, with. I mean, we, we can't even... Rutgers games don't even count anymore because Rutgers is good. Josh mentioned Kansas earlier, but they're not even the biggest underdog of the week. That would be the aforementioned Vanderbilt Commodores, who are only favored by half a point more than five touchdowns, 35 and a half between the hedges at Sanford Stadium. Josh, it is... Todd Fitch's debut as interim head coach for Vanderbilt. Uh, two questions for you here. A, does Vanderbilt cover? And B, does Sarah Fuller kick a field goal? 
<laughs> um, no, I don't think they cover, but I'm going to say I'm hoping she does. Uh, I think Georgia wins this thing going away. They're going to blow them out. And Matt, you gave a part of the story when you said it was Todd Fitch's debut as interim coach. How about his debut as a head coach? Yeah. At no point in his career has he been a head coach, not at the high school level, Mm-mm. not at a D2 level, Mm-mm. nowhere. Nope. That makes me a little worried. Um, this is also his very first year at Vanderbilt. Yep. So it's not like the players are going to be, you know, trying to win one for their beloved coordinator who's been there the last 10 years. This is not a, <laughs> this is not what we would refer to as a oh god who is frank beamer's defensive coordinator why am i bud foster this is not a bud foster situation yeah so um i think you guys said in the last show that vanderbilt had kind of quit on the team and on the season and uh i just have a feeling they are going to be going through the motions and you know georgia Top 10 team. They want to remain a top 10 team. They're going to blow them out. Um, Coach, I'm going to do something that I know is going to make you nervous. I'm going to pencil in the dogs for 60 plus. How about that? Over how many games? Over four quarters against this sorry Vanderbilt team. I don't think we could get to 60 in practice on air, but <laughs> they um, got 45 against South Carolina. They did. I don't know how they did that, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's a 35 point spread. I, I don't think Georgia's ever covered a spread that had a two in front of it, much less a three. <laughs> um, they cover last week. <laughs> yeah, but they? last week's spread was, yeah, but last week's spread was what? How much 20, was last week's spread? Like 21 and a half. 21 and a half, yeah. I got a two. I got a two, barely. You, you know, you know what they said. Yeah, it might as well have been a one. Um, you know what they say <laughs> about blind squirrels and you know that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, needless to say, I, I think that interim coach situation. Matt, I got a question for you. I got an answer for you. Who's Vandy's tight end? Is he any good? Uh, b- uh actually, it's probably. Yeah, he's he's one of Ben Bresnahan is one of like the few quality offensive players, but they don't their offensive line is not good enough to keep the quarterback upright for more than one point eight seconds. That doesn't matter. Uh, he's going to have about ten catches, one hundred and fifty, and a touchdown. Um, your tight end's going to. Um, what about your back? Can they run a wheel route? Uh, Keon Henry Brooks actually is a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. Yeah. All right. So. So that would the answer to those questions will probably lead me to believe that Vandy will cover a 35 point spread. Ooh. Mm. Because Georgia has yet to cover back out of the backfield and uh Tanner Muse, Nick Muse, Tanner's brother, Nick, uh tight end was uh I think made some money uh, last week in the NFL um based on that game. So I think I think if he shows NFL teams his game film, he will at least get two years in, in the NFL just based on that one game. 
So uh, Georgia can't cover tight end, and Georgia can't cover back out of the backfield. That's a problem. Ken Seals is a good quarterback. Uh, this defense is very, very frisky. Um, and I think 35 points is a bit much. Had this, had it been just a touchdown less, I probably would pick Georgia. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're right, Josh. Uh, I hope I lose this one, but I'm taking Vandy in the cover. All right. Um, well, I'm going with I'm going with Josh on this one. I don't I don't know how Vanderbilt like stops anyone or scores a scores a point against Aziz Ojolari and Dem Boys. They covered against Florida somehow. I don't know. Mm. They did, but that was at home. Vanderbilt on the road can't, like ever since besides that opener against Texas A and M can't do diddly. Now, what, now, what if this happened? All right, uh, kickoff. Right, uh, Georgia's up. Kicks it off. Does, is Sarah Fuller kicking it off, or is Georgia yes. kicking off to Vanderbilt? No, Sarah Fuller's kicking it off. Okay. Um, they, they just, uh, they just scored to 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 get it within the cover distance. Okay. Um, Kyrus Jackson breaks free right on the on the kickoff. Georgia's about to. I mean, oh, he has to beat Sarah. He has to beat Sarah Fuller. Sarah Fuller just tattoos him. Yeah, right? a, a that would not surprise me at all because, because I, I don't know if you guys know this. Sarah Fuller is six foot two. Like Sarah Fuller is not some like little. You know, she's a goalkeeper and she is like she, she's a D one athlete. She's six two. She's probably bigger than Kenny Seals. <laughs> exactly. Like she uh, like it, like it would not like. They obviously, for good reasons, do not list women's weights on rosters and things like that. Uh, that would be uh, uncouth. But she's probably like 6'2", 185 and ripped. Like, she, like, she would, like, she's the size of like a D1 safety. You know what I would just do, in all seriousness? She's obviously Vanderbilt's best athlete. Maybe the best athlete the entire school. Just have her go. Well, non-baseball team division. Fair enough. Just have her go full Nile Kinnick. <laughs> just. Oh, yeah. Have her Do- be the leading come rusher, off the, field. the kicker, the punter. The, tack- the, the linebacker. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, if you're going to go all in on the publicity stunt, go all in. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking Vandy to cover. That's just, mm. yeah, mm. I think Vandy will cover that. I mean, they covered against A&M on the 31 point spread, so I don't think Georgia's any better than Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah, but different juncture of the season. Vanderbilt's totally packed it in. Completely packed it in. They packed it in several weeks ago. <laughs> they covered against <laughs> I mean, Florida. They yeah, but they they've repacked it in. <laughs> There, there's no, there's no reason to to say that Georgia won't sleepwalk in this one, and keep this one closer than it should be because they just run the ball. Yeah, but that's the thing. Vanderbilt's not going to stop them from running the ball. Yeah, but they won't have time to win by thirty five points. Not when you're breaking every runoff for sixty yards. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't think I am. I don't know. I think we're going to cover thirty five. Yeah, points. I just, I just hope we can barely score thirty five. You I'll scored say, 45 against South Carolina. Yeah, but I, how many other times did we score that much? I don't know. You're the one who watches every game, not me. 
<laughs> yeah, not very much. That's why I'm picking Fanti. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm just saying my, they're going to lose by 34 or less. My biggest hope Georgia scored is- 44 against Tennessee. They scored 45 against South Carolina. They scored 37 against Arkansas. Like, my biggest hope is that, though, that Sarah Fuller actually gets to demonstrate her field goal kicking ability, which, as I said last show, was really accurate in warmups. Yeah. No, I mean, she can she can play. She can actually play. So I want to see her get that chance. All right. I think that's going to do it for us here on episode number 240 of Illegal Motion. Ooh. So on behalf. Wait, 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 you know it's not a send-off if I don't squeeze something in right under the wire. Do it. 3-0, and surprisingly good Washington team. They get another chance to flex their muscles against a struggling Stanford team, but the Pac-12 game I'm actually most interested about is I love when a program is trending up versus one trending down. The disinterested and winless Arizona Wildcats are they giving up on Kevin Sumlin versus the buying in 3-0 Colorado Buffaloes mm. Carl Durrell first season there with the Buffs? I am interested in this one. Do we see Arizona totally quit on this game and get blown out? We'll see. It'll be interesting. It will be interesting. They lost 27-10 to UCLA last week. To be fair, their quarterback got hurt on like the first play of the game, so... Not a ton to be able to figure out there. Uh, there's a plumber playing quarterback for Arizona, which is interesting. Uh, not Arizona State, which would be more interesting. But Matt, is UCLA any good with their two and two record and narrow loss to Oregon? They are vastly improved, but not necessarily good yet. Not necessarily good. I think, in the words of Bill Simmons, they might be a good bad team. Chip Kelly turn them around next year? Yes. They will be a Pac-12 South contender next season. Ooh. Absolutely. That is some foreshadowing. Yeah. No, I think that they are definitely trending in the right direction right now. You know what'll help is if, A, they upset USC, Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe that's what sends Helton packing, and then... The Trojans are rebuilding. Yeah, the, the thing that would scare me about that is that if they actually went and like got a good coach, if Helen goes packing, mm. if they got say Urban Meyer, <laughs> are they gonna Sarkeesian experiment number two? No, 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 no. He drank his way off of that campus. Who is taking the swing on on Sark? South, South Carolina. Okay. No, South Carolina's hiring Shane Beamer. Are they really? Yeah, I I think they're going to hire Shane Beamer. The uh, the word out of Vanderbilt right now is it's down to uh, three candidates for the moment. Uh, Will Napier, sorry, not Will Napier. What am I saying? No, 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 no. Will Healy, um, uh, Jamie Chadwell, and Notre Dame defensive coordinator. Uh, who Clark Lee, who played fullback at Vanderbilt. So Clark Lee is the choice. It <laughs> looks like it's trending towards Clark Lee. I really hope Billy Napier gets a shot, though. You Here's my 
he'll get a shot. I, I, I just, I think, I don't know. I, I think Billy Napier is going to get a chance at a, at a bigger job. Jamie Chadwell may get a chance at a bigger job. I don't know that they accept that. We'll see. But Clark knows? Lee would be interesting. I don't. I he's the one I know the least amount about. So, well, here's the thing that worries you about Steve Sarkeesian. Is, the bottle. Well, <laughs> yes to that, but um, and maybe you can maybe you want to say that the bottle is the a uh, a factor for this record, but his record at Washington. Not five great. games over 500. Yeah. Overall, three games over 500. Conference in play. Conference play. Yeah, it's, he's mediocre. Yeah. I mean, does Nick Saban really, you know, is that is that the cure-all? Is that he served with Nick Saban? I, I don't Doubtful. know. We'll see. So, all right. Well, it's time for us to wrap it up here. So... Uh, for episode 240. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.